Welcome to the Covenant People's Ministry. It is written that man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. We invite you to study the scriptures with us to learn about the words of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Our pastor is Mr. Jeremy Visser from Brooks, Georgia. You can contact us with your questions and comments at covenantpeoplesministry.com or simply write to Covenant People's Ministry, Post Office Box 256, Brooks, Georgia, 30205. Our phone number is 404-906-9009. We would like to hear from you, and we pray in the name of Jesus Christ that His will will continue to reign upon us all. Once again, welcome to the Covenant People's Ministry, and here's Pastor Visser with our next Bible study. Hello, this is Pastor Visser, and the topic is Tactics of the Lawless Children. Kinsfolk. This evening's topic is called Tactics of the Lawless Children, and it's a sort of sequel to one of my longer sermons to date called Tactics of the Lawless One. Surprisingly, the first part was extremely well received by those who read it, so I launched a sort of small web campaign by posting links to the sermon in various forums, and sometimes even pasting the entire 12-page text itself for the public scrutiny. Dealing with Seedline, the Children of the Devil, and so much more, Tactics of the Lawless One has been printed out by many internet readers, and about the worst feedback I've received to date was, this teaching is non-traditional, quote-unquote. And that's really a compliment. Naturally, there's so much more material to cover, so tonight I'd like to look at several biblical children of the wicked and what exactly made them false prophets. From Cain to Balaam and Judas Iscariot to Simon Magius, we'll be looking deeper into the characteristics that identified them as snakes. In 2 Peter chapter 2 and verse 1, Peter tells us, quote, There were many false prophets also among the people, even as there shall be false teachers among you, end quote. Meaning that we better pay attention to their tactics so we can better arm ourselves to withstand their damnable heresies. Not each of these shoddy characters is a biblical prophet, but their denial of the Lord does make them antichrist. A quick glance at many 501c3 churchianity buildings should be proof enough that there's false prophets teaching traditions of men, and sometimes worse. A semi-attentive study into the Bible should also be proof that their deceptive image of an infeminized Jesus is not the God and Savior of the Scriptures, rather a creature of their own making. In this day and age, it doesn't pay to straddle the fence or listen to easy believers reverence, quote-unquote, who can't substantiate their claims without taking two verses and twisting them into something different. Jesus tells us in Matthew chapter 7, verse 15, quote, Beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves, end quote. Let's begin. What list of biblical bad guys would be correct if it didn't start with Cain, the world's first murderer? 1 John chapter 3, verse 12 says that Cain was of that wicked one, and he slew his brother because his own works were evil, as opposed to righteous Abel's. Let's take a closer look at what made Cain kill Abel, and see how exactly he was spawned from the wicked or lawless one, meaning Satan himself. This part of the study is essential because it ties into the particular lawless children of the serpent seed that I'm addressing in this sermon. Let's read Genesis chapter 4 verses 1 through 7. Quote, Adam knew Eve his wife, and she conceived and bare Cain and said, I have gotten a man from Yahweh, and she again bare his brother Abel. And Abel was a keeper of the sheep. 
But Cain was a tiller of the ground. And in process of time it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto Yahweh. And Abel, he also brought of the firstlings of his flock and the fat thereof. And Yahweh had respect unto Abel and his offering. But unto Cain and to his offering he had no respect. And Cain was very wroth, and his countenance fell. And Yahweh said unto Cain, Why art thou wroth? Question. And why is thy countenance fallen? Question. If thou doest well, shall not thou be accepted? Question. And if thou doest not well, sin lieth at the door, and unto thee shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. End quote. Literally hundreds of studies have been published into these verses. The problem with Genesis 4.1 by Clifton A. M. Phaser could be considered a sensual reading for any honest seedliner. Rather than break down the Hebrew and Greek added words found in the manuscripts, I'll rather focus on what the word says about Eve and her beguilement. Before doing so, we should take notice that Eve again or continued to bear Abel, proving that he and Cain were twins, so they both bring their offerings in the process of time or on the same exact day. Interesting is the fact that the word tiller used to describe Cain is taken from the Hebrew word Abba, which means a slave, proving that Cain and his future seed would always be slaves to the ground or earth. Right from the beginning, Yahweh has no respect for Cain nor his offering, while the keeper of the sheep, Abel, is considered righteous. A historical clue can be found in the non-canonized Protoevangelion, chapter 10, verses 1 through 10 as rendered in the lost books of the Bible and forgotten books of Eden. Quote, When her sixth month was come, Joseph returned from building houses abroad, which was his trade, and entering into the house found the virgin grown big. Then, smiting upon his face, he said, With what face can I look up to the Lord my God? Question. Or what shall I say concerning this young woman? Another question. For I received her a virgin out of the temple of the Lord my God, and have not preserved her as such. Who has thus deceived me? Question. Who has committed this evil in my house, and seducing the virgin from me hath defiled her? Another question. Is not the history of Adam exactly accomplished in me? Question. For in the very instant of his glory, the serpent came and found Eve alone, and seduced her just after the same manner it has happened to me. Then Joseph, arising from the ground, called her and said, O thou who hast been so much favored by God, why hast thou done this? Yet another question. Why hast thou debased thy soul, who wast educated in the holy of holies, and received thy food from the hand of angels? Final question. But she, speaking of Mary, with a flood of tears, replied, I am innocent, and have known no man. End quote. This aligns with Paul's teaching in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 10, which reads, quote, I fear, lest by any means, as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, so your mind should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. End quote. As I mentioned in Trees and Stars in the Garden of Yahweh, the word beguiled is taken from the Greek expatio, which means wholly seduced. Cain and his bastard clan are without a doubt bad seeds, both then and now. An even less known idiot from the Holy Bible is the counterfeit prophet Balaam, who was murdered at the slaughter of Midian. Born in Mesopotamia and considered a full-scale soothsayer, Balaam's false prophecies are mostly transcribed in the book of Numbers. 
But he's also mentioned several times in the New Testament as an eternal example of what not to follow. Jude says in verse 11, quote, Woe unto them, for they have gone in the way of Cain, and ran greedily after the heir of Balaam for reward, and perished in the gainsaying of Kor. End quote. Peter gives Christians a second witness in 2 Peter chapter 2, verses 15-16, through 16, quote, Which have forsaken the right way, and are gone astray, following the way of Balaam, the son of Besor, who loved the wages of unrighteousness, but was rebuked for his iniquity. The dumbass speaking with a man's voice forbade the madness of the prophet. End quote. Neither what Peter nor Jude has to say about Balaam is as important as the words of Jesus Christ himself who says, quote, I have a few things against thee, because thou hast there them that hold the doctrine of Balaam, who taught Balak to cast a stumbling block before the children of Israel, to eat things sacrificed unto idols, and to commit fornication. End quote. That's Revelation chapter 2, verse 14. Recently, I've spoken about both Balaam and his ass and Jesus God or not and tactics of the lawless one. And those familiar with the Jewish Babylonian Talmud might be aware that the name of Jesus is replaced by this very false prophet. For example, a half-hearted study into Sanhedrin 106b proves that the Jews teach the Virgin Mary was a whore and a quick glance at the footnotes will also show that, quote, all the Balaam passages are anti-Christian in tendency. So Balaam is being used as an alias for Jesus Christ, end quote. Those words were spoken by Rabbi Friedman. The ADL gives even further proof when they say, quote, in the 19th century when the field of academic Jewish studies was in its infancy, a small group of Jewish scholars suggested that in some cases, the term Balaam in the Talmud may be a code word for Jesus Christ. End quote. It's no wonder the Creator Jesus Christ purposely called out the doctrine of Balaam by name. Here's what happened. The children of Israel were camping out in the plains of Moab near Jericho after they had just wiped out both the kings of Og and the Amorites. They had already been commanded by Yahweh to distress not the Moabites, neither contend with them in battle. Yet the current king of the Moabites named Balak was sore afraid of the people because they were many in numbers. So he sends for Balaam, the son of Beor, offering the rewards of divination and asks him, Come now therefore, I pray thee, curse me this people, for they are too mighty for me. Peradventure I shall prevail that we may smite them, and I may drive them out of the land. End quote. Those passages are found in the 22nd chapter of Numbers. We find in Numbers chapter 22, verse 12, that Balaam accepts the offer from King Balak. So Yahweh hurriedly tells them, quote, Thou shalt not go with them. Thou shalt not curse the people, for they are blessed. End quote. Nevertheless, he still sets out the next morning in an attempt to curse the chosen people. Except, quote, the angel of Yahweh stood in the way for an adversary or Satan against him, end quote. The story of how Balaam's ass gains the ability to speak is classic. Quote, Yahweh opened the mouth of the ass, and she said unto Balaam, What have I done unto thee that thou hast smitten me these three times? Question, end quote. These passages are also found in the 22nd chapter of Numbers. A little while later, after this, Balaam begins to bless the children of Israel 
while Joshua himself resists to deliver the chosen people. What exactly is the stumbling block that Balaam cast before the Israelites? Pay attention to what happens next and how yet another attack on Israel's race started. Quote, Israel abode in Shittim, and the people began to commit whoredom with the daughters of Moab, and they called the people unto the sacrifices of their gods, and the people did eat, and bowed down to their gods, and Israel joined himself unto Baal Peor, and the anger of Yahweh was kindled against Israel. And Yahweh said unto Moses, Take all the heads of the people, and hang them up before Yahweh against the sun, that the fierce anger of Yahweh may be turned away from Israel. And Moses said unto the judges of Israel, Slay ye every one as men that were joined unto Baal Peor. End quote. That's found in Numbers chapter 25 verses 1 through 5. Indeed, the same old attack of missegnation and eventually serving other gods. In this case, it was Baal Peor. Baal Peor was the false god of the Moabites who was worshipped by his adherents in so-called temple orgies where the illegitimate offspring were eventually sacrificed to him, much like Molech. I won't call out any specific names, but several modern-day cults that call upon the name of Jabulon are also unaware that the Baal part of this name is actually derived from this very same Baal Peor. This deity is most often represented as both a male sun god and a female moon god, and he was worshipped high atop Mount Peor, hence the fitting name Baal, or Lord of Peor, Lord of the Gap. Thank you for listening to the Covenant People's Ministry. If you have enjoyed hearing the message of the Gospel, and would like to be a part of our fellowship, or receive monthly newsletters where you can order Pastor Visser's CD sermons, be sure to write to us at CPM, Post Office Box, 256 Brooks, Georgia 30205 You can also visit us on the web at covenantpeoplesministry.com where our extensive audio section features numerous broadcasts you can easily listen to Pastor Visser by Godcast through your mobile audio device. Our phone number is 404-906-9009 Remember that Jesus Christ is our all and is in all that have been renewed in His Holy Spirit So we hope that you will allow him to lead your life and help to build his church so that when he returns, he will find faith upon this earth. We urge you to be a living example of Christian faith and apply his words to your lives. It has been a pleasure to have you with us, and now we will return to Pastor Visser's Bible study message. We got uh, Barry the girl's Catholic. (laughs) That's right, we got that girl as Catholic. She's becoming a pneumonia. I think so, because I, uh, we got Pastor Visser up there, we got Marty. <laughs> and then, you know, we gotta, we gotta take, like, some picture of, um, uh, like, she, a uh, princess, Sheila, the princess, uh, what's that, 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 uh, that drag queen movie from Australia? Princess of the uh, Desert or something like that? I'm sorry? I've never paid attention to that stuff. Yeah, it, it was pretty a funny movie. I didn't really see it, but I heard it was pretty funny. It was like Sheila, the princess of the Australian desert, or something like that. Quincilla, or I don't remember it, but there's like some really weird picture of that, and so we could get like uh, Picasso can get that and put it in there, and make that for Obadiah. Oh man, Obadiah. Be, yes. I wonder what happened to a poor old Obi. 
Well, see, I, I contend, I mean, I know what Visser, I mean, well, at least what Marty is saying about Visser. You know, Marty is saying a lot of things which really, actually on his show last night, he admitted that he doesn't really have, no, he admitted that. But, okay, that's good. But just based on the last uh, show that Visser did um, with the, the Obi and Visser show where Obadiah was not there, um, it sounded like Obadiah was mad at Visser for going on to P. Dembski's show and uh, anointing him, or what is it? Not anointing, but uh, giving him the... Uh, making him a, ordaining. Ordaining, and he ordained you as a priest uh, in the, uh, the DSCI preacher. And uh, I think he also did that to me. I'm not too sure if he did or not, but I know he did that for you and Dembski. And uh, I, the, pastor intern. And right, and pastor intern. That's right. The intern is now an official DSCI preacher from the direct line of um, what's that guy's name? Uh, William Swift. Uh, the, the, the other Wesley, one. Uh, Wesley Swift. Wesley Swift or some other guy like this. One of the, whoever was. I think the other guy's name. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't keep up with that people. Yeah, I don't keep up with it either. So, you know, so it's like whoever is this, like this is supposed to be the true line of ordination. And, you know, so it's like he, you know, Visser got ordained by this guy directly. And so now Visser, whoever Visser ordains is like we've got some really heavy, as they call now, the word is the word of the day is gravitas. So uh, whoever gets ordained by Visser has some real gravitas. Richard Butler, <laughs> Richard Butler, P. Dembski is saying it's Richard Butler. Thank you very much, P. Dembski. Okay. Yeah. yeah, I don't keep up with all that stuff. So anyway, yeah. I think Fisher was just having a was having a joke with this. I mean, you know, right? Because I you know, know. yeah, I mean, he was just having a joke because this because uh, Marty kept attacking Visser about not being in the direct line or or in the correct line of uh, ordination and all this kind of stuff. So yeah, you know. He was just making a joke about it, but then Obadiah is so serious about stuff, he can't really yeah. laugh. You know, he's he's so rigid. He's very seriously minded. Yes, he's very, very seriously minded. So you don't make jokes like that. So that's the problem with this guy. Yeah. But Unfortunately. But, yeah. I don't know. I mean, now that when uh, Vister did his show, did he ever have Jay Faber on? Yes, he did have Jay Faber on, but only at the end because uh, there were some sort of a, a technical problems trying to call into the show or something like that. And uh, he, so he didn't have him on the show, but um, Visser did call Faber after the show, and they talked for about five minutes. Uh, and Visser stuck the phone call at the end of the audio uh, of this uh, sermon that he gave. And uh, it was pretty interesting, but you could definitely hear all of these audio problems that uh, were going on. So is Visser... Well, Visser Visser seemed, it seems to be that from that phone call that Visser made uh, onto Dembski's show last week, um, where he ordained everybody, he ordained you, he ordained uh, the intern, he ordained Dembski, um, apparently... It seems to be that Obi got really mad at that because Obi was not on the show on Friday and now Visser is going to be taking hiatus and he is going to bring put the show back on Wednesday. 
And there were some things that Visser said, you know, about going on the show, going on Dembski's show, going on my show, and that the people who criticize him, you know, they're not even using their real names. So I'm back. He didn't want to go out. He wanted some uh, Cheerios. Yeah. I'm sorry. Uh, what were you saying, Wood? I think I, I believe I downloaded it tonight, so I'll have to listen to it after I get off here and just kind of. But that's kind of disturbing because, like I said, I always enjoyed Pastor Visser. Yeah, yeah, this is a funny guy. I like him. You know, I do but, too. But but you know I don't you know but I I, I can understand it. It's, it's, it's partly Obi's show if he doesn't want you know people like us to call in, then, you know, I'll respect that. But if Fitzer wants to come on your show or Dembski's or whatever, that that should be Obi's. Beef. Yeah, I, I look forward to Fisher calling my show. I mean, he's secular yeah. uh, when he calls, and he's a fu- he's funny. He's he's, he's a funny guy. Mm-hmm. He, yeah. But he has said that the Friday show or what's going to be the Wednesday show now is Obi's show, and sure. he can't. He doesn't. He's not going to overrule Obi. And if he doesn't want Jews or what are you, one sixteenth Indian or something, Lloyd? Yeah. He doesn't want that. Um, He doesn't want anything but the pure, you know, white man. And, uh, you know, that rules me out. I I, I mean, I could have said I'm, you know, Protestant, and you guys could have put a picture of me with a Viking hat, and I could have got away with it and said my name was like, you know... Paul uh, Johansson or something like that, you know. I don't know Paul 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 Himmler, and um, no one would have known, you know. I have blue eyes and brown hair and whatever. And but, uh, look, I mean, you know, you don't really look Jewy either. I mean, not you know, for lack of a better. Term. No, that's a good term. I um, I don't look Jewy. You're right. Yeah. Thank you for listening to the Covenant People's Ministry. If you have enjoyed hearing the message of the gospel and would like to be a part of our fellowship or receive monthly newsletters where you can order Pastor Visser's CD sermons, be sure to write to us at CPM, Post Office Box 256, Brooks, Georgia 30205. You can also visit us on the web at covenantpeoplesministry.com where our extensive audio section features numerous broadcasts you can easily listen to Pastor Visser by Godcast through your mobile audio device. Our phone number is 404-906-9009. Remember that Jesus Christ is our all and is in all that have been renewed in His Holy Spirit. So we hope that you will allow Him to lead your life and help to build His church so that when He returns, He will find faith upon this earth. We urge you to be a living example of Christian faith and apply His words to your lives. It's been a pleasure to have you with us, and now we will return to Pastor Visser's Bible study message. Because of this forbidden sexual activity, David would eventually write, quote, They joined themselves unto Baal Peor, and ate the sacrifices of the dead. End quote. That's found in Psalm chapter 106, verse 28. Hosea would eventually add, quote, I saw your fathers as the first ripe in the fig tree at her time. But they went to Baal Peor, and separated themselves unto shame, and their abominations were according as they loved. End quote. That's found in Hosea chapter 9 verse 10. All brought to you by the false prophet Balaam.
Judas Iscariot is quite arguably one of the better-known disciples of Jesus Christ due to the fact that he was a thieving snake who eventually betrayed our beloved Savior to the serpentile enemy. I've already covered numerous aspects about Judas and Calling of the Twelve, which is more or less an overview of the twelve chosen men and their varying positions within the ministry. Iscariot was actually a keeper of the treasury, meaning that he handled most of the funds, but towards the end of his sad life he would betray Jesus for a mere 30 pieces of silver, the price of a common slave. Read that for yourself in Exodus chapter 21 verse 32. Truly, the love of money is the root of all evil, as 1 Timothy chapter 6 verse 10 proves. During a deeper study into Judas Iscariot and his actions, we can start to see major similarities between him and Satan. One such parallel has already been mentioned, and it's the fact that Judas was the keeper of the treasury, but he was also among the first group chosen by Jesus. Compare this dismal fact to the fact that Lucifer was once the anointed cherub that covereth the law, and was perfect in his ways from the day that he was created, till iniquity was found in him. You can read that for yourself in Ezekiel chapter 22 verses 14 and 15. Also, think upon how both Judas and Satan are chosen vessels of dishonor used to bring about Yahweh's glory and perfect will on earth. This shouldn't be very surprising because Luke chapter 22 verses 3 and 5 teaches us, quote, Then entered Satan into Judas, surnamed Iscariot, being a number of the twelve. And he went his way and communed with the chief priests and captains how he might betray him unto them. And they were glad and covenanted to give him money. End quote. To me, the most important thing to notice about the betrayal is that it came from a so-called close friend of the Messiah in keeping with biblical prophecies like, quote, Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. End quote. That's found in Proverbs chapter 27 verse 6. We also find in Psalm chapter 41 verse 9, quote, Yea, mine own familiar friend, in whom I trusted, which did eat of my bread, hath lifted up his heel against me. End quote. Yes, these same verses are in reference to Judas Iscariot. Jesus taught us in Matthew chapter 10 verse 36, quote, A man's foe shall be they of his own household. End quote. And this truth certainly rings true today. For example, this month alone I've witnessed the disbanding of the National Alliance from several of its founding members, and the false wing of Aryan nations headed by the buffoon August Christ turn against Christianity, claiming that it's a Zog concept. The so-called Christian Separatist Church Society claim to have all truth while condemning other followers of Jesus Christ. Brothers and sisters, how can we ever expect to overcome the tactical enemy when so much time is spent slinging mud at one another? I've actually partly addressed this very concept in our recent CPM Freestyle broadcast. We certainly need unity. During the Last Supper, Jesus says, He that dippeth his hand with me in the dish, the same shall betray me. The Son of Man goeth as it is written of him. But woe unto that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It had been good for that man had he not been born. Then Judas, which betrayed him, answered and said, Master, is it I? Jesus said unto him, Thou hast said. End quote. That's found in Matthew chapter 26, verse 25. He also taught us, quote, If ye know these things, happy are ye if ye do them. I speak not of you all. I know whom I have chosen. But that the scripture may be fulfilled, 
He that eateth bread with me hath lifted up his heel against me. End quote. That's found in John chapter 13, verses 17 and 18. As we can see, even Jesus himself taught that it would have been better for Judas to have never been born, and that he was not chosen by the Messiah. Ever wonder why this was? For further clarity, I'd like to address a few aspects about Judas Iscariot. He was obviously a selfish man who cared less about the poor and deceived those that he stole from, including Jesus Christ. He was also a steadfast unbeliever that left himself open to satanic influence. So towards the end of his life, he engaged in bribery to forsake the Savior, someone that he ate and walked with and supposedly considered a friend. Many motion pictures like to portray Judas as just a confused man with overall good intentions that was really trying to protect Jesus. This is the exact opposite of his biblical description. Judas Iscariot was a wicked person, period. Unlike Satan, Judas did see the error of his ways before finally buying a section of land with a part of the 30 pieces and hanging himself there so violently, quote, he burst asunder in the mist, and his bowels gushed out. End quote. You can read that in Matthew chapter 27 verse 5, or the book of Acts chapter 1 verse 18. Still, in Matthew chapter 27 verses 3 and 4 it states, quote, Then Judas, which had betrayed him, when he saw that he was condemned, repented himself, and brought again the thirty pieces of the silver to the chief priests and elders, saying, I have sinned in that I have betrayed the innocent blood. They said, What is that to us? Question. See thou to that. End quote. Still, it was a bit too late by this time, so we read in the very next verse, quote, He cast down some of the pieces of silver in the temple, and departed, and went and hanged himself. End quote. There's a lesson to be learned by Christians in the example of Judas. Never betray Jesus Christ. That sounds like a rather simple concept, but remember that the Bible says, quote, Today, if ye will hear his voice, harden not your hearts. End quote. That's found in Hebrews chapter 3 verse 15. In both Matthew chapter 10 verse 22 and Mark 13 verse 13, Jesus himself said, quote, Ye shall be hated of all for my name's sake, but he that endureth to the end shall be saved. End quote. Meaning that those walking in the truth, and I mean biblical truth, not the watered-down Judeo-prosperity doctrine concept, will, meaning without a doubt, be hated of all. Saying that Jesus is God is a surefire way of heaping that hatred from our enemies on ourselves. Go ahead and give it a try. Let's continue reading in the book of Acts, chapter 8, verses 9-13. through 13. This is the Webster Bible. Quote, there was a certain man named Simon, who before in the same city used sorcery and bewitched the people of Samaria, giving out that himself was some great one, to whom they all gave heed from the least to the greatest, saying, This man is the great power of God. And to him they had regard, because that for a long time he had bewitched them with sorceries. But when they believed Philip, preaching the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Then Simon himself believed also, and when he was baptized, he continued with Philip and wondered, beholding the miracles and signs which were done. End quote. Simon Magius was a sorcerer of great status, and his morbid magical arts among the Samaritans was certainly well known during the time of the Acts. 
As soon as phony Simon sees the Apostle Philip baptizing other Christian believers, he quickly decides that he wants to be part of the gift, so he poses as a believer until he finds an opportunity to offer the early church money for the gift of the Holy Spirit. The modern-day negative term of simony, as denoting the purchase of money for spiritual offices by modern-day pagan Catholics, is derived from this same Simon Magius. Let's continue reading this gloomy account. Quote, Now, when the apostles who were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent to them Peter and John, who, when they had come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For as yet he had fallen upon none of them, only they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. When they laid hands upon them, and they received the Holy Spirit, and when Simon saw that through the laying on of the apostles' hands the Holy Spirit was given, he offered them money, saying, Give me also this power, that on whomsoever I lay hands, he may receive the Holy Spirit. End quote. That passage of scripture is taken from the Webster Bible and is found in the book of Acts, chapter 8, verses 14 through 19. This Simon, alongside the whore living goddess Helena, known as Salome to John the Mercer, not only helped to found the bogus Gnostic sect, but he also, through turn of events, actually helped spawn the not-so-holy Roman Catholic Church as we know it today. It's not so strange that Simon Magius was worshipped in place of Yahweh as some type of false god. The term magia simply means a worker of magic, and truly there is no new thing under the sun, as Ecclesiastes chapter 1 verse 9 suggests. A decent self-study into the history of Simon Magius proves that he was considered the first pope. Just contact CPM for more information if you're interested. Before finishing up this evening, let's see how Peter answers this chunk. Quote, Peter said to him, speaking of Simon Magius, Thy money perish with thee because thou hast thought that the gift of God may be purchased with money. Thou hast neither part nor lot in this matter, for thy heart is not right in the sight of God. Repent, therefore, of this wickedness, and pray God, if perhaps the thought of thy heart may be forgiven thee. For I perceive that thou art in the gall of bitterness, and in the bond of iniquity. Then answered Simon and said, Pray ye to the Lord for me, that none of these things which thou hast spoken come upon me. End quote. Once again, that's the Webster Bible, and the passage is taken from the book of Acts, chapter 8, verses 20 through 24. Notice that even after Peter's stern rebuke, Simon refuses to repent? What type of idiot would think that either the gift of the Holy Spirit or forgiveness of sins can be purchased with money or a simple chant like Hail Mary? Jesus himself condemned this type of practice in Mark, chapter 7, verses 10 through 13, when he said, quote, Moses said, Honor thy mother and thy father, and, Whoso curseth father or mother, let him die the death. But ye say, If a man shall say unto his father or mother, It is Corban, that is to say, a gift, by whatsoever thou mightest be profited by me, making the word of God of none effect through your tradition. End quote. That word Corban means an offering or a present according to the Strong's Concordance, and the practice still exists today in the false pagan Catholic Church. My intention with this morning's sermon, like tactics of the lawless one, is to expose some of the tactics that false brethren can use against us at times during our walk with Jesus Christ. Look for an upcoming tactics of the lawless whores dealing with bad girls of the Bible, and done much in the same manner as today's study.
Like usual, I pray that Jesus Christ gets the honor always. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message. We hope that you have enjoyed studying with us. Remember the words that Christ has given, that wherever two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst of them. We hope that you will gather together with us at the online ministry's website, which is covenantpeoplesministry.com, and share your Christian testimonies or ask questions and enjoy biblical fellowship. You can also order CDs of Pastor Visser's Bible Studies and enjoy many other Christian resources through the church's website or write to Covenant People's Ministry, Post Office Box 256, Brooks, Georgia 30205. Our phone number is 404-906-9009. Thanks again, and may the love of Christ abide in you and yours forever and ever. Amen.